turn in your Bibles this time to Mark 16, 1 to 14 for our reading of the passage for consideration. Mark 16, 1 to 14. Hear the word of God. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre. But they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him, as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. We're going to read through to verse 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. God bless the reading of his holy word. Let's pray. Father, we ask that this account by the gospel writer Mark be used by your Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to enlarge our hearts in love to you, and to, O Lord, quicken us so that we may seek you with all of our hearts, if happily we may, if happily we will find you. In Jesus' name, amen. Resurrection Day, or Resurrection Sunday. We have to go back to Good Friday, the day that our Lord was crucified for our sins. It was a good day, a good Friday, if you will, because the Good Shepherd gave his life for his sheep by becoming sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so it was bad for Jesus. Good for us, for 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that is his sacrificing his only begotten Son by pouring out his wrath upon him on Golgotha, on Calvary. Bad for Jesus. Good for us, for God gave us his great salvation, but for that to be accomplished, Christ was condemned in our place. Again, bad for Jesus. Good for us because we became friends with God. Jesus, however, in order to accomplish that, would be forsaken in our place on the tree. By finishing his work in our behalf on Calvary, even the death of the cross. That for Jesus. It says in Philippians 2, who, that is, Jesus Christ, being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death. Ultimately, what turned out bad for our Lord was for the glory of God, for it turned to our salvation. Now we come to Resurrection Sunday, which is today. The truth is, is that his work was not finished. When he said on the cross, it is finished, that aspect of his work, and I call it the ground bed or the ground work, for our salvation. Calvary, the exchange of sin for righteousness, even our sin for his righteousness, was finished. But his work in its totality was not yet finished. For he would rise from the dead on the third day. Going back to Philippians 2, let me continue. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and hath given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every name should bow, of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This would be good for Jesus, because Jesus would be good to go, even to go back his heavenly glory. Now some of the women disciples, they were always somehow at the forefront of the cross. They were there when the rest had fled, except for John. We don't know when he arrived, but he was there all along with the ladies. But anyway, at the resurrection, at the sepulcher, the tomb, the women disciples arrived early, it says in the first verse. The Sabbath was passed at a Saturday sundown. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. It was the end of the Sabbath and so they could go to the market to purchase these sweet spices. Anointing, an act of love by covering the stench of that loved one's 
And when was this to happen, this anointing? Verse 2. Early in the morning, on the first day of the week, Sunday, that's the first day of the week, today. Now, it's possible that Mary Magdalene had gone ahead of the lady. Somehow she was always one step ahead of the rest. But then they have a dilemma when they arrive, and that is what? The stone door. How to move the stone door. When they were there on Good Friday, it was open. Then since that time, that stone was rolled over it and sealed, and a guard posted at the door, who wasn't there at the time. And the stone was rolled away. And they said among themselves, who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? Well, when they arrived there, lo and behold, the stone was rolled away. Notice what is very great. It is not something that certainly they can do, nor even one man alone. But an angel rolled it away, according to Matthew. An angel. And there was an accompanying earthquake, just like that. I'll call it a little tremor that we felt the other day. Some of us didn't feel. Well, apparently, that was unbeknownst to Mary Magdalene and to the women. Maybe it was something more localized right there at the tomb only that this took place. You know, God can do that, can't he? Now, upon entering, what did they discover? An angel. Not first, they didn't say, oh, an angel. Well, it was a young man. And oftentimes, angels as well as the Lord will come back, will come into this earth in a form that would not cause any apprehension on the part of human beings, like this angel in the form of a young man, perhaps a very handsome young man. But soon they would discover that this was something that is out of this world, and they would be frightened. And lo and behold, they were. And they realized who they were before. And the angel announced the greatest news ever. And they were flat on their faces before him, as it were. And he said to them, Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. You've heard those words time and time again, especially by our Lord, when he would assure them of his presence. Not to be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, as he said. Remember? He told you that, didn't he? Not just once. Behold the place where they laid him. See? He's alive. He's alive. There's so much comfort in those words. He is risen. He is alive. His promise is true that he would save us from our sins. And if he were dead, our faith would be in vain. We'd yet be in our sins. But he is gone. And then he began to see a spark of hope, even in the twinkle of their eyes, as they considered the words that they heard, and as Mary did on prophecy of the death of her baby child. Ponder these things. 
God the Father would raise his son by his tomb penetrating words. Even words like unto our Lord's when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Arise, meaning be alive, come forth into life. Jesus Christ is the God-man. He is God who can never die. Who became man in order that he can die and would die. And he did die, even the death of the cross. The writer of Hebrews declares, For as much then as the children, meaning God's children, are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same that through death he might destroy him, that had the power of death, even the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject unto bondage. The world, an unbelieving world, is subject to the bondage of fear. Fear of death. Fear of death at the hand of the one who fearfully and wonderfully made each and every one of them and you and me. And they know that. And the scriptures makes it very plain that they know that. Though they will not admit to that. Though they may even deny that. There are no such things, no such thing as a true atheist. Maybe a practical one. But not in truth. Jesus is alive. That was the farthest thing from their mind as they came to the sepulcher with those sweet spices to put on his body. For they deemed him to be dead, which he was, but no more. And the Lord prophesied to his disciples that after he died that he would come back to life, such as what he said in the Gospel of Luke, or according to the Gospel of Luke, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day, I say, that last phrase is only, it only seems to be that, that dangling participle, last phrase, is overlooked. And yet you have to really take note of detail of what is being said in the word of God. Their memory needed some prodding. You know how that goes, right? Especially when you get up there. <clears throat> what prodding it took? An angel. An angel. And according to Luke, two angels. And in verse 7 of our passage, finally, the one angel says, okay, I've told you what I am tasked to tell you, now go your way and tell the rest. And John tells us that Mary Magdalene, just as fast as she was there ahead of the rest, was out the gate already on her way to tell the disciples. When she encountered Jesus in John 20, 15 and 16, John 20, 15 and 16, who did she think he was? Well, she didn't think he was Lord. That was obvious. John 20, 15 and 16. 
Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, meaning taken him, his body, somewhere, tell me where thou hast laid him. She still didn't get through. That the angel said was the case. And I will take him away. And then Jesus said to her, What? Mary. Voice recognition now, right? <laughs> Mary, she turned herself and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And of course she worshipped him. Oh, what a reunion this must have been. How the angels in heaven were also rejoicing. Even as the Bible says that they rejoice over one sin that comes to repentance. You know, God's people repent over and over again, and especially of their unbelief. And so, now, she's got to go and tell the brothers back home, or in hiding. And it's going to take more than that to convince them. It's going to take, like the saying, a mule kick to the head. For, for, for the guys to, to, to come around, okay? Or something more powerful than that, even the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 12, and after that he, that is Jesus, appeared in another form unto two of them, meaning one that was unbeknownst to them, that somehow hid his face from them so that they did not recognize him as they walked and went into the country. So he personally, Jesus would personally inform them. And you have to read all about that in Luke chapter 24, 13 through 49 approximately. It says in verse 13, and they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. And verse 14, afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Imagine, he's there in their presence, and they could recognize him, and yet they still did not believe. They probably thought he was some apparition, most. Because, why? They believed not them, which had seen him after he was risen. Doesn't that sound like us? We say we're believers, and yet, from time to time, or maybe even more than that, we talk and, and, and behave as if Jesus is still buried under the ground. That he is not with us. Or that he's in heaven, far away, transcendent, so far away, forgetting the fact that he condescended to men of low state, to you and to I. And became like us in order that he might save us from our sins and make us his children, children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, the Lord Jesus himself would have to step in. You can picture him rolling up his sleeves. You know, his work isn't done. Remember that, his work is not done. And he does what only he has the power and ability to do. And that is to open their minds and their hearts and their wills to set free. It says in Luke 24, if you go to Luke 
24, 44, and 45. Luke 24, 44, and 45. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. Remember? That all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. What's that? That's this, at least the Old Testament part of this, which was all they had at that time, which was all they needed, because that is the word of God. And the gospel is in it, even as we read earlier. And he says that those scriptures all culminate, all are fulfilled in him. Concerning me, he says, Notice what follows, what is absolutely requisite for us to know the Lord. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. Until the one who wrote this, until the Holy Spirit of God that inspired this, opens your hearts and minds and my heart and mine, and anyone else's heart and mine, to this. Jesus Christ will be, continue to be a slow word on their lips. Jesus Christ will be, be only someone who they merely profess in name only. Yes, I'm, Jesus. I'm of Jesus. Yes, I'm a Christian. Well, how did you become one? Well, let me think about that. Hmm, I haven't had that post me before. Uh, duh! How did you become a Christian? Doesn't the Bible say that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God? Does not the Word of God say, if you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and where will you know that? But from the scriptures. From someone who is teaching you the scriptures. It says you will be saved. And until then, until the Lord opens your heart and mind, opens your understanding to his word, to his gospel, it is still a closed book. And you will not open this book. Or maybe you will open it, but it will still be a close book to you. That's what God must have. What God must first do. So the very roadblock to the Jewish nation as a whole, to which these scriptures were initially addressed, were in the dark. And not the Jews only, but the entire world was in the dark. As it says in John chapter 1, in John chapter 1, beginning at verse 9, John chapter 1, verse 9. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And that is the first world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, or through him, by him and through him. And the world knew him not. 
He came unto his own, the Jews, and his own received him not. The very ones who had the scriptures, when all other nations of the world were without the very, or without the very oracles of God, they, you would think, would have gladly received him and give him homage. But they did not. Instead, put him on the cross. They were responsible for putting him on the cross. Yes, with the help of the Roman Empire, with the help of the adjudicate <coughs> Pontius Pilate, but nevertheless, they put him on that cross. If the princes of this world only knew who he was, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it doesn't stop there. It says in verse 12, and this is again where our hope begins and continues. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. This is why we are what we are. This is why, why we are who we are. It's because of him. Of him who has made us children of God by faith from himself. Sum it up. Again, let's go to we'll go back to Good Friday for a moment and just like the Alamo, remember Good Friday. Because without it there would be no good news to follow. It would all be bad news all the way. Moreover, brethren, the Apostle Paul says, I declare unto you the gospel, the good news, which I preach unto you, that is the message of Good Friday, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, you stand, you see? It's not just something that you have, like a marriage contract that you put away in your file, and that's the end of it. And then you don't cultivate your marriage relationship? It's not like that. The gospel is something that we stand upon. It's like the Bible, which is a foundation of stone, a rock, that we are called upon to stand on, to stand over, to live on, to build our house on the rock, so that when the rains come tumbling down, and the floods rise up, and the winds beat upon that house, it ain't gonna fall. By which also you are saved, he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15. If you keep in memory what I preach unto you. In other words, don't forget it. Don't forget it. Unless you have believed in vain. There's some who, by the fruit of their lives, seeming, and I only say that because it's not my call is God's, but who seem like they've done that very thing and have forgotten. Have forgotten. For I deliver unto you first of all that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. See, that's where we get this information, not from the church. 
not from the teaching magisterium, whether it be of Rome or Constantinople or Mecca, and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. You see how essential this is. You see why men and women in times gone by have died for this. Have died even that the word of God would not be destroyed or changed, altered. You see why we believe this so much so that if we had any boat that we were going to take with us, if there was another fire in San Diego, and we didn't have room for any other books, you know how some of us men out here, tons of books, right? <laughs> the one book you're going to make sure you're going to bring with you is this. Because this is the final basic instruction before leaving Earth. And so we desperately need. Look what it cost the Father to send his son. Look what it cost the son to finish his work. It cost his life. Thank God he is alive forevermore. And so also remember the resurrection, even as you remember the triumph. No longer do we have a Savior who is on the cross. And I tell this to my Roman Catholic relatives. I say, I can't have that in that. I can't. One time we had a crucifix in our room. We just got married. And this was the house of a relative. I had to turn the crucifix around. I mean, I couldn't, you know, throw it out and go, you know, throw it out. I had to reverse it. And also the little statues, I, I turned them around. I, I know this sounds silly, but you know what? And my sister-in-law, whose, whose relics those were, saw that. She thought a miracle had happened. I assure her, it was me. <laughs> anyway, uh, we have a Savior who is not in the tomb. We have a Savior who is risen, as he said, and is alive forevermore. And also remember that every Lord's Day is Resurrection Sunday. And we celebrate that as a body every week. In Revelation 1.10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. So he has risen on this day. He has taken captive not just one Sunday out of the year, or one holy week out of the year. He has taken captive every Sunday and every week of the year until he returns. Father in heaven, we are thankful that he is Lord, that your son is Lord, and that he is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, begin with ours, every tongue confess, starting with our own, that Jesus Christ is Lord, for the glory of you, God the Father. Bless us, we pray, as we meditate upon this fact, an event of history that cannot be 
stricken out. Because the revisionists cannot remove this. As much as they have tried to remove Christianity from the books, they will never, ever remove this greatest event in all of history, even the death and especially the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And thanks be to God for his speaking over you. And especially that we know you who are true, and that we are in you who is true. Even in your Son, Jesus Christ, he is God and eternal life. In his name we pray, even Jesus Christ.